What's up, Fervent World? Pastor Mike here, lead pastor of Fervent Church. I'm excited that you decided to join us on this Sunday online experience. I don't know what to call this for a second. Sunday online experience, that's what it is, daggone it. And we're in this middle of the series called I'm Out, learning how to live in freedom even though we're stuck in our homes. And last week, um, man, I got so many responses from last week's sermons. I'm not even exaggerating on that. You ever watch these like social media influencers, like so many people ask or ask me questions, so I decided to make a post when there's really just two people that asked them. Um, I'm not blowing up any social media influencer spots, but um, I'm serious. Got a lot of responses of last week's sermon on depression. So if you didn't watch that, make sure later on today or, or during this week, go back and check it out on YouTube or on our podcast. You can click on the podcast button on our homepage. Go check that out. And today we're talking about something that you asked for, okay? Um, on our Easter digital experience, we asked people, hey, what are some things you want freedom in? And this is one of the things that you asked for. So ready? I'm gonna give you the most awkward introduction to a sermon probably ever. I know that's a big, bold statement. Um, but, but here's how I'm gonna start this sermon. You ready? I fully believe, I fully believe that I could take my wife down. I fully believe that, that if her and I just squared up, toe-to-toe, blow-for-blow, round-for-round. I fully believe I could take that woman. Now, before you, you, you exit the stream and stop watching me, l- let me explain. I, I got another point. I fully believe that I could take my mom in a fight. I fully believe it. I could take that four-foot-nothing lady down in an instant. Fully believe it, all right? I fully believe that, you ever seen you know, those two twin little girls in The Shining? those scary girls in the hallway. I fully believe that I could just crane kick both of them right in the face, boom, done, out. I fully believe that, all right? So that, those are the facts. I fully believe that I could take all those girls. Now listen, number one, disclosure, I've never hit a woman in my life and I never will, okay? But I'm just telling you what I fully believe in my head. Those are the facts. I'm stronger than them. I am faster than them. I, 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 I fought before. Some of them have never fought. My mom has though. True story, she grew up in the Bronx, all right? But, but I, I, all those people, I, I know I could take down, I believe it. But if you've ever seen my wife, after she has yelled at our kids, two boys, after she yells at those two boys, um, if you've ever watched her in action, and if you've ever seen her in the house, stomping around, steam coming out from her nostrils, yo, I'm scared of the chick. Not even going front, I'm scared of the chick. She, she has no chill whatsoever when those boys hit her hot button. No chill whatsoever, all right? And, and she doesn't know how to do good cop, bad cop. So when I'm the one that starts off the yelling, she doesn't know how to do that. It's good cop, worse cop. She has no other mode. That's that lady. So, yo, I'm scared of her when she's at that level. You know, my mom, all right? Again, four foot nothing lady, love her to death. Yes, I could take her on a normal day. But when she's upset, when she starts off her phrase, not with my government name, but with my Spanish name, come on, Miguel Antonio Rosado, when she starts that sentence up that way, I'm scared of the lady, all right? Those two little girls in the movie The Shining, all right? They got nothing on me. Yo, they scared the heck out of me, all right? Those two little girls scared the heck out of me. Why? Because sometimes facts don't trump our fears. Sometimes facts don't trump our fears. We all know and believe that we're gonna make it through this, but yet sometimes our fears get in the way. 
So that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about I'm out when it comes to fear. All right. So loud and proud, wherever you are in your living rooms, dining rooms, kitchens, bathrooms, I don't care, bedrooms. Let's say this loud and proud. Say I'm here. I'm ready. Draw me closer. Make me better. In Jesus name. Amen. All right. So now that I preached heresy and almost talked about domestic violence, let's get into the word here. Second uh, Timothy chapter one. So this is a guy named Paul, right? Uh, Paul, the Apostle Paul, is a mentor to this guy named Tim, and, uh, and he's talking to Timothy in this letter, and he says this. He goes, grace, mercy, and peace from God to the Father, Jesus Christ our Lord, Timothy's faith and heritage. I thank God, whom I serve with a pure conscience, as my forefathers did, as without ceasing I remember you in my prayers night and day. So Paul's constantly praying for this guy every single day, greatly desiring to see you being mindful of your tears, that I may be filled with joy when I call to remembrance a genuine faith that is in you. So he's like, Tim, you're my boy. You're my boy, Blue. You're, you're the man. I love you. I'm praying for you. I believe in the faith in you. Every time I think about you, I get joyful. And then, so then he says this, that this, is, this was first, this faith that, that I see in you first dwelt in your grandmother, Lois, and in your mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded is in you also. I've seen it. The proof is in the pudding. But then he says this, therefore, I remind you. Okay, so let me remind you where you came from. Let me remind you who you are, right? But there, th let me remind you, therefore, to stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. It's, it's this heritage of faith that I'm passing on to you, that I passed on to you, that I prayed for you about. And then here's the power verse. Here's the verse that maybe some of you have heard, uh, but now's the time in this season we need it more than ever. And it says this, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind and of power and of love, and of a sound mind. So he's reminding them about this great element of faith that's deposited in him from his mentor, from his family, from his heritage. He, this is the faith that he has, but he's saying this, hey, stir that up, stir that up, because you're gonna fight this battle of fear, right? Whenever we're called to do something great, just know that you are going to fight the battle of fear. So he says, stir this up, because God didn't give us the spirit of fear, but the spirit of power and of love and of sound mind. And so I've watched uh, so many sermons on fear. I've preached so many sermons on fear. Um, I've watched TED Talks on fear. I've read books on fear. And there's this like two different camps, if you will, both in and outside of the church in regards to fear. Um, Biologically speaking, fear is something that's embedded in our system, all right? Our amygdala, right at the, 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 the bottom of our brain, our brainstem, our amygdala is where we get our fear from. It tells us that, yo, fight or flight. It tells us that, hey, whatever you need to do, do everything you can to stay alive. This is where we get our fear from, our amygdala. Some people call it our lizard brain. Our lizard brain keeps us alive. So when I see a bear coming my way, my amygdala says, yo, run, okay? When, when I see uh, my wife upset and she's stomping around, I say, shut up, 
right? That's what my amygdala said. So, so that's that part of your brain. It's a part of our flesh, okay? So we have this element of there's a natural fear. And even in the Bible, there is a healthy fear. We're called to fear God, right? Because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And that fear produces a respect, okay? So, so there is a quote-unquote good fear. There's a good fear biologically, and there's also good fear even in regards to spiritually. There's a respect kind of fear. I, I fear my parents because I respect them. I, I fear fire because I respect fire. But I, even though like, I know that if, if, if handled well, if I deal with fire maturely and with wisdom, it's not going to hurt me. But I, there's a fear, there's a respect towards fire, there's a respect towards things in our lives that protect us, okay? So that is the healthy fear, the good fear. But then there's this element where fear turns into, and for, for, for us to work off the same glossary, fear turns into us being afraid, okay? We're afraid of certain things. And that's the, the, that's the type of fear that, that when we run into where those facts don't trump those emotions, even though we know. We experienced this right in the beginning of the book, all right? And so, listen, um, some people say that, yeah, I can't comment on the video and take notes at the same time. Here's what we're gonna do, fervent.tv forward slash hub. All my notes are right there, all right? So enjoy the commenting, and you can steal the notes a little later, right? But for now, I want you to pay attention with your drink and your two-step, who's with me, all right? And so, we see fear right in the beginning of the Bible. We see this type of bad fear, this afraid fear, right in the beginning of the Bible. You know, when Adam and Eve fell, and when they stepped into sin, what did they do? They hid. And what did Adam say when God asked him the question, Adam, where are you? Adam, where are you? And I love this. If you ever plan on being a leader here at Fervent Church, one of the things we push a lot in leadership, because I've watched a lot of good leaders have a lot of degrees, highly educated, but they lack self-awareness. And the first question, the first recorded question that God asked humanity was, where are you? It was a question about self-awareness because obviously God knew the answer. God knew where they were. He wanted Adam to know where he was. And so God says, where are you? And this is Adam's answer. I was afraid, so I hid. I was afraid, so I hid. That fear created shame. That fear created an illogical response. They knew the character of God. They knew that God was safe. They knew that God was loving. They knew that God provided every blessing that was around them. But yet, the facts didn't trump the fear and it led them to be afraid, okay? So we have this healthy fear, that fear of that, that leads to respect and the fear that makes us flee when we're supposed to flee. But then we have that afraid, Fear, okay, so when today, when I say I'm out, that's the type of fear I want to talk about. I want to talk about the fear that leads us to run away when it's illogical, that leads us to run away when it's not faith-filled, and all it is is just stuff that, that it's just all internal, and it really doesn't make sense externally, but internally we're struggling. Y'all with me today, all right? And so that's what we're going to talk about. And normally, sign tells us this. Sign tells us that there are four triggers to this fear, right, in your lizard brain. The four, four triggers are as follows. It's uncertainty, okay? So this uncertainty causes that lizard brain to wake up. Oh, we're uncertain right now. It's attention, okay? So, so attention to the details or attention on you, right? That's why some people are afraid of public speaking. It's that attention that creates the fear. Um, it's change, hello, change. 
I'm gonna tell you right now, straight from Jump Street, that things are going to permanently change after this season. It, A, it has to, and B, it's inevitable, okay? So change, and sometimes change brings fear, um, and then struggle when you know it's gonna be a wrestle, when you know it's gonna be a fight. So uncertainty, attention, change, and struggle, those are the triggers that spark this physical, biological fear inside of all of us, and it also, I believe, sparks that sense of spiritual fear or afraid, that spirit of fear, when that's not the spirit that God wants us to lead with. Hello? It's not the spirit that God wants to lead us. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to write this down or remember this a little bit later, um, but this is, this is the point that I want us to understand, okay? Fear is an opportunity to grow and rely on God. Fear is an opportunity to grow and rely on God, okay? Why do I say that? Because like I started, there's just two sides of fear, right? There's the biological lizard brain, there's the respect, spiritual fear of God type of fear. That's good, that's always gonna be there. And then there's the afraid kind of fear, okay? Truth be known, we're not gonna get rid of fear. Why? Because at the end of the day, we can't even get rid of all the biological stuff because until the day we die, we're living with this big bag of flesh, all right? So we're not gonna get away with that kind of fear, okay? We could get away with being afraid. We could overcome being afraid, but sometimes that fear of the Lord and that healthy fear that t tells us to run away from bears, um, that is essential and that's a part of our flesh. So maybe fear isn't something to completely get away from, but maybe being, getting away from that part that just leads us to be afraid is the most important thing. So what if we taught ourselves, what if we taught this lizard brain, trained the lizard brain to say this, fear is an opportunity to grow, it's to grow out of, un when, when things are uncertain, this is my opportunity to rely on God, okay? This is my opportunity to grow in my reliance on God when, when things are changing, when there's a tension, when there's struggle, all right? Fear is an opportunity to grow and rely on God. And I'm here to tell you, man, as a fervent church, we're going to embrace change because I want us to continue to grow in God and our reliance of Him. So we're going to embrace change. And so if you're a person that's here, uh, that's been coming to Fervent Church, I'm here to let you know we haven't changed in a little bit, okay? Maybe we've added a location or something to that degree, but that's not drastic change. We haven't changed in a little bit. And I want us to stay uncomfortable. Why? Because growth happens when we're outside of the comfort zone, when we're outside of the pocket. And so we're going to lean outside of the pocket because why? We're married to the mission, not the method. We're married to the mission and not the method, all right? The mission is to make, to, to help people who are far away from God understand that he's a loving and graceful God and to bring them in, all right? That is the mission, okay? So I'm not married to the method of a four walls church. I'm not married to the method of physical service on a Sunday morning. I'm not married to that method. Those things are great. I've experienced life changing those things, but straight from Jump Street, I'm here to tell you, I'm not married to the method, I'm married to the mission. And the mission is all that matters. And so in order for us to still continue to accomplish the mission, we have to embrace change. That's a whole completely different sermon, but you're welcome this today for that, all right? And so we're gonna learn that we're not gonna choose the spirit of fear, we wanna choose spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. And what is that spirit? Let's identify that right now as the Holy Spirit, as the spirit of Christ, okay? And so we understand that the Holy Spirit is, is, the, is the person 
not the it. It's the person who gives us wisdom. It's the person who gives us understanding. It's the person who gives us counsel. It's the person that gives us power through faith. It's the person who gives us knowledge. It's the person who gives us our delight in the fear of the Lord so that we don't have to be afraid. We're going to lean on that today more than ever before. That we're going to put the training wheels on our ability to rely on the Holy Spirit because he's not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, love, and of a sound mind. All right. And so I'm going to help you today. How can we lead your fear if we can't get rid of it? All right. If you can't overcome it, fine. That's biological. That's all this other stuff. I don't want to argue about that. But I could tell you right now, we're going to learn to lead your fear. Okay. Number one, in order to lead your fear, you got to answer this question. What are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? A lot of times in my counseling situation, anger, stress, anxiety, the underlying issue is nine times out of 10, I wanna say 9.5 times out of 10, it is fear. So at times we can't articulate what we're really you know, pissed off about. We can't articulate what we're really stressed out about. We can't articulate what we're really anxious about. And so sometimes I'll just do this simple little exercise when it comes to counseling people. I'll say, all right, Give me the first thing that comes to your mind, just fill, complete this sentence. I'm afraid that blank, or I'm afraid of blank, all right? And they have to first identify. And there are times where, again, especially during this quarantine time, or during this time of unemployment, during this time of not being able to pay the bills, during this time of uncertainty, right? We, we, we sit there and we go, oh, I'm stressed out about paying the rent, or I'm stressed out that I'm going to be homeless. And I say, what are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? Some people are like, well, I, I, I'm, I'm afraid of they're gonna be kicked out of the house. And again, facts don't trump fear and that's what makes you afraid. At the end of the day, we know, at least in the state of New Jersey, no one is allowed to get kicked out of their house. So you say you're afraid to be homeless, but what's the real fear behind that? Because you're not gonna be homeless, right? You say you're afraid of not getting help, but there's a lot of help out there. We're willing to help people, so forth and so on. You're, you're maybe afraid to ask for help, and so you dig a little deeper. What are you really afraid of? It's not just afraid of homelessness. It's not just afraid of not paying the bills. What are you really afraid of? And then maybe you get down to the core of it and you go, I'm afraid of feeling like a failure. Now we're talking. Now we're talking. You have, to be, you have to be able to identify what you're afraid of before you can lead it. You ready for this one? I know I quoted, I quoted Paul, <laughs> um, I quoted Jesus, you know, but now I'm gonna quote Stephen King. Stephen King, the author of, he's made millions off of fear, said this, that if you can't articulate your fear, you will be unable to conquer it. If you can't articulate your fear, you're gonna be unable to conquer it, okay? Stephen King said this. He, this guy understands fear. He makes millions off of it. So he, he, outside of church, he understood that if you can't articulate it, how the heck are you gonna be able to conquer it? You can't. So you got, before you can lead anything, you have to know its name. And so identify, what are you afraid of? Number two, and I'm gonna push all of us in this, is that we have to start practicing faith risk. Practice faith risk risk okay learn to play outside of the comfort zone this is important because if we don't what we do is that we're we're paralyzed by our fear and everything that we do we make decisions based out of fear okay 
And so we have to learn to practice faith risk. Fear, faith decisions never comply to God's will. Why? Because God didn't give you a spirit of fear. So why is he going to give you something to make a decision based on him with something that's not of him? Okay, if you didn't. And, and so sometimes you could even do the right thing in the wrong way with the wrong heart. And it still doesn't comply to God's will. I'm not putting anyone on blast, but I really feel like this is going to help a lot of people watching. This week I was talking to two people and they had the same exact issue. And the two people that had the same exact issue was that forgiveness was just a mechanical thing. They did it because of submission and surrender to God's word. Um, so they just did it. But you got to understand forgiveness is what we, we have simply defined it as releasing someone from their debt. And so you could sit there and say, I forgive you because I have to. Um, and you surrender to what God wants us to do. And that's great. You're doing the right thing. But in that fear based mentality, we don't want to get hurt again. In the fear based mentality, we still want to protect ourselves. In the fear based mentality, you're still on the watch and your heart You've forgiven them externally, but your heart really hasn't forgiven them. You've done the mechanical work of forgiveness. Um, but here's what I want to challenge all of us. That fear leads us to just say, okay, I just surrender and, and submit to God. And surrender and submission are great tools, but they're not the destination. I believe that God honors surrender and submission, but he empowers unity and agreement. Let me say that again. He honors surrender and submission, but he empowers unity and agreement. In John 17, Jesus prayed this prayer, Father, make them one as you and I are one. Why? Because he understood the power of unity and agreement. Secondly, fear-based decisions rob you from your joy. It robs you of your joy. So again, you could do the right thing and still be grumpy about it, all right? We do the right thing and still be grumpy about it. Nehemiah 8.10 says this, the joy of the Lord is our strength. And for me personally, when I see people who are mature in Christ, it doesn't look like this. Real people that are mature in Christ live in the freedom of God and they're happy. They're excited. I want to be around them. They're celebratory. They're exuberant. All right. This is the type of people that I really have learned through scripture to identify that they are really have maturity in Christ. That they really have the freedom of God because the joy of the Lord is their strength. Not their ability to keep rules is their strength. Not their ability to look the part is their strength. It's the joy of the Lord is their strength. All right. So that robs you of their joy. And again, let me just challenge all of us that that we have to recognize that in order to to really walk away from these fear, fear based decisions again, because it's going to rob us of our joy. We have to recognize that there are times where um, we're doing the things that we, we, we're used to doing. And again, remember, change produces fear. Change wakes up the lizard brain. And I wonder, because when, when we don't like change and we have what we call preferences, I wonder how much of our fear is camouflaged within our preferences. I, I'm about to throw my shoe at the cameraman right now. Y'all hear what I'm saying? How much of our preferences, right? How much of our fears are actually camouflaged in our preferences? All right. We say, well, I prefer, I prefer, you know, going to church on Sunday morning, you know, um, and I've watched people on social media say, oh, you know, maybe you're looking at me right now saying, oh, you're talking about not living in fear. But so why aren't we having services? Why don't we do this? Because number one, the government says we're, we can't. All right. And I'm abiding by the government until the government asks me to do something that causes me to sin. 
That's the only time I will rebel. Okay, but other than that, I'm going to honor God by honoring the leaders that are placed over me. And that's just our stance, fervent church. That's a, this is not fear based. This is honor based. Okay, so so that's not fear. But maybe the reason we're holding on so much because I've heard you say it. I've heard you say that church isn't about four walls. Church isn't about Sunday. Church isn't about attendance. Now's the time to put your money where your mouth is, but yet our preferences rise up. Why? It's not because we just like it better. It's because we're afraid of change because we've learned to camouflage our fear and preferences. I'm gonna leave that one alone. The, the third sub point is this, fear-based decisions just produce more fear-based decisions. Fear-based decisions just produce more fear-based decisions. Moment of vulnerability. In my early 20s, I was very motivated, driven, um, people saw that as leadership. And so because of that, uh, at a young age, I just kept on getting promoted, just in my opinion, just way too soon. Because um, sometimes the church will confuse your ability to speak with your ability to lead. Yep. And so I kept on getting promoted on, on that line because of that. And um, behind that motivation was this sense of proving everyone wrong. I'm gonna prove everyone that I don't need them. I'm gonna prove everyone that, that, um, that I, I, I'm fully self-sufficient, et cetera, et cetera. It was driven by arrogance, it was driven, but it was a fear-based decision because I didn't want to prove anyone right if they thought I needed them. And so that fear-based decision just continued to produce more fear-based decisions because then I, I, I wanted to hide certain things. I didn't wanna confess certain things. And so it just compounds the issue. And here's what I found out that I'm talking to some of the quote unquote successful people that are watching this right now. Just know this, that if you're not called to be successful, if you're not successful because you were chasing God's calling, but you're running away from something, again, fear-based decisions produce more fear-based decisions. If you're running away from something, whatever chases you to success will turn into anxiety when you get there. I got to say that again, you get this, whatever chases you to success, will turn into anxiety when you get there. Why? Because fear-based decisions just breed more fear-based decisions. Come on, all right? Last point, big point, and we're gonna close it out. Y'all getting this? I love this because Paul said to Timothy, stir this gift up, stir it up. And this is what I'm trying to do right now. I'm trying to stir up your faith, all right? I fully believe that if you feed your faith, you starve your fears. Okay, so let's feed our faith right now. I'm trying to stir you up. I'm trying to remind you that you have the spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. The word sound mind, actually, you know, if you, you study the word sound, it, a saved mind, okay? So I'm, so I'm thinking like a saved person, okay? So I'm not afraid of death. Why? Because we learned from week one in this series, I'm not afraid of death because I know that no one ever really dies right now when it comes to Jesus, right? And so I've given my life to the Lord. I've jumped on the timeline of eternity. I'm going to be with him forever. And, and that's the bottom line. That's the narrative. That's the fact. That's the truth, okay? So I'm sticking to that right now. So I want to stir that part of you up. Let's stir up the saved mind. And number three, here's what I want you to do. I want you to outgrow your fears, all right? Outgrow your fears. Going off the fact that when I talked about not making fear-based decisions, the way we outgrow our fears is to be intentional to who you hang around with. Be intentional about what you're listening to. Be intentional uh, about what you're thinking right now, okay? Outgrow 
your fears. And the way to do that, again, is to feed your faith and not your fears. I kind of want to just wake up the kid in you right now. You know, the Bible talks about childlike faith. And I don't know about you, but when I was a child, I had this type of faith that like I was very imaginative. I can imagine it there. And a lot of times what we've done is that we turned our imagination into a, a place where we feed our fears. But what if we turned our imagination into a place where we feed our faith? What if our imagination, instead of rehearsing the argument, we rehearse reconciliation? Instead of rehearsing defeat, we rehearse victory. Okay. Instead of rehearsing the fact that the, 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 you know, out of this quarantine, you know, things are going to be horrible and they're never going to be the same. Rather than rehearsing that in your head, why not rehearse the fact that you're right. Things aren't going to be the same. In fact, we're going to find a better angle of how we could do this thing. What if we rehearsed it that way? And what we do is we outgrow our fears when we feed our faith. Okay. Cause the opposite happens. What we do is we shrink our lives in order to accommodate our fears. We shrink our lives in order to accommodate our fears. So if you're making a fear-based decision and say, well, I don't want to look like I fail, you're not going to take a faith risk. You're making a fear-based decision of saying, well, I'm not going to say something in the comment section. And maybe this is your first time here and you're like, oh, this is weird. I'm not really into church, but I'm really digging this whole thing. I'm picking up what he's laying down. And you're afraid to comment something. You're afraid to engage. You're afraid to put, you know, fill out that plug-in card. You're afraid to start this journey. Hey, stop feeding your fears. All right. Stop feeding your fears. Fear your faith. Why not? Let's outgrow those fears. It's going to be there forever. But I don't know about you that I, I don't want to skip leg day anymore. You ever watch those guys that are they're lifting weights and they always do the upper body stuff and they skip leg day. I feel like what we're doing is we're skipping leg day. We're skipping that that the muscle group in our lives and our spiritual lives that actually burn the most calories. And that is our faith. All right. That is our faith. And we can outgrow those fears. If we just feed our faith and, and how do we feed our faith? We feed our faith. The faith, the Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. What are you listening to? What are you listening to? There are times, even as your pastor, I got to turn off the news because it's sometimes too negative. There are times where I have to just beg my team to give me some good news. Give me some things to celebrate. Let's remind ourselves that, that, that we shouldn't fear, feed our fears, but I'm going to feed my faith. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, it's my faith that's going to get me through this, not my fears. Not my fears. So can you and I, from here on out, say, we're going to outgrow our fears. I can't get rid of it entirely. It's a, part of, it's a part of the brain. It's a part of my mechanism. But I will learn to lead it and conquer it, because that's what God has called me to do.